you all, all of the owners together have direct control over the overall value. You can force the appreciation by bringing value and taking a property that's really been neglected and is not a nice place to live for a lot of the tenants and turn it into something that they themselves want to stay in and uh, you know continue to pay rent down the line and you can potentially increase rents as you go along. Welcome to the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the investnest.com and start learning and earning today. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Travis Murphy, your host of the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. I want to thank everybody for joining us again this week. We've got a great invest guest coming up shortly, uh, Josh Plave with walltomain.com. But before we begin, I want to thank all of our listeners who've been tuning in each and every week. Your support is greatly appreciated. And I want to give a special shout out to our listeners out in Hawaii. I see you guys downloading the episode, so I want to thank you and uh, spread the word so we can get more, more people tuning in every week. And of course, if you guys are enjoying the show, reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. And be sure to hit the subscribe button, whatever platform you're listening. And you can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And of course, go check out theinvestnest.com. Create your free investor profile today. All right. Now let's welcome our invest guest, Josh Plave, to, to the show. Josh is with walltomain.com, and he is a multifamily syndicator, but he does things a little bit differently. And we're going to let him tell us a little bit more about that. But uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah. So um, I am a multifamily syndicator. I basically, uh, you know, with my partners, we purchase and then operate large multifamily uh, complexes, 90 to maybe 250 units. Um, and because of my background, I specifically get involved and try to get others involved and educate them on using their retirement accounts and how you can actually tap into what's really the, the second most frequent um, and most common source of wealth for the average American, uh, your retirement account. Not a lot of people know that you can actually make use of the existing account. Uh, and so I try to help others get involved uh, with it. And so a lot of people ask, uh, you know, why someone who's 30 is, is doing retirement accounts and why they're familiar with them. And really it, it started back when I was 16 years old. Uh, I opened my first Roth, first Roth IRA when I was 16, um, kind of my, my grandfather and my mother were both CPAs. They were very future minded and they wanted me to, you know, start planning for myself for the future. And so I took the money I'd earned that summer and I just kind of put it into a, a Roth account at the time. And so I've been contributing to it ever since. It's been really nice to work with um, and build something for myself. But, um, you know, fast forward about 10 years from then. And unfortunately, both my mother and my grandfather, who I'd mentioned, uh, they had actually passed away. And so what that did was it left me with some retirement accounts uh, that I knew I needed to make sure I was going to be a good steward of their their wealth and the, what they had set up and everything that they had worked for their entire lives. It wasn't a life-changing amount of money by any means, but it was enough that I knew I had to educate myself, make sure I was doing the right thing um, and not just kind of putting it all on the first investment that came across my way and looked really cool. Uh, and then maybe blow it up. So I went and I, I found all the possible information, everything I could do with my accounts. And that's sort of what I did uh, to build my company. And I landed on multifamily and I tried to move people into multifamily with their retirement accounts, just like I did. 
Awesome. That's a lot of good stuff there. Let's, I'm going to kind of go through it. Basically we're talking about self-directed 401k self-directed IRA. They're referred to as like checkbook IRA accounts. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, um, so you, you, you learned about investing at an early age. You started your own Roth account, which is great. Next thing you know, you come into a little bit more money and instead of just, you know, sitting back on your heels, you, you decided to educate yourself and see what you could do. Um, to improve these investment accounts that are now uh, under your control. And like you said, you landed on multifamily. Why multifamily? Yeah, so uh, I kind of, when I went at it, you know, I was coming from a completely non-real estate background. I was an analyst for Fortune 500 companies in kind of the operations departments. And uh, I essentially wanted to move into something where I was going to see the end results of my work. And so that's kind of why I focused on real estate. And then when I started educating on real estate, a lot of people, um, what they ended up saying was, well, you want to start with maybe one unit, move to two, then maybe move to four, then to eight, 16, and slowly you start to scale. Um, and so I kind of looked into, and then a lot of people were saying, well, eventually someday I'd love to syndicate. I really think that's the best way to, to scale things up. And so I looked into multifamily syndications, realized that once you cross over five doors, the closing process is really no different for five to 100 units, uh, there's just more money involved. Uh, there are, and the nice thing is there's a team involved. There are other people who are specialized in their own specific role and it's not just you trying to analyze a property, make sure that it's gonna be rentable and make sure that you're in control and, and uh, running the entire show. There's actually a lot of people out there to help uh, you know, support you in the process of closing and then operating. And so it was really no different and I realized that to jump straight in, with at scale was going to potentially be my most effective way to, to power my, my future. That's awesome. I mean, this is cool. Cause this, I mean, we could have two separate shows really one on multifamily and then one on your self-directed investment accounts, but it's really cool how you pulled it together and you're making it work for not only yourself, but also your, you know, your investors in a way that's safe for them and gives them some diverse uh, diversification, I would imagine. But uh, let's, I guess let's talk a little bit more about the self-directed accounts. Can you tell us more about those and how they work? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, contrary to popular belief, um, you can actually use your IRA or your 401k to invest in virtually anything you want. It's not limited to just stocks and bonds uh, or mutual funds. So you can actually take it and invest in anything except for three items. There's life insurance, collectibles like art or jewelry or cars, uh, and then there's shares in S corporations. Those are the three limitations the IRS has put on it. Um, but beyond that, if you think it's a good investment, it's totally fair game. I mean, I've heard of people, um, you know, buying racehorses and running, uh, you know, thoroughbred operations, things like that. There's, you can do cryptocurrency, you can do gold, real estate, any kind of alternative thing you want and you can get involved with. So what you actually do is, you know, the custodians you're usually holding your money at, uh, whether it's a Vanguard, Schwab, TIA, those companies. They, uh, they specialize their brokerage houses uh, around equities. And so they don't actually allow most of the time for alternative assets. So what we actually need to do is move it over to a custodian who um, you know, will, will allow you to invest in these, these alternative asset classes with your uh, IRA or 401k. And so you end up moving the money and just transferring it as you would from any normal custodian, whether you're moving it from Fidelity to Schwab. It's the same thing if you're moving it from Fidelity to one of these alternative custodians. And so uh, personally, because I had to um, figure out the accounts for myself as well as my sisters, well, we have at the time, we now have seven accounts. I had to figure out kind of 
the, the most optimal way to do it from an investor standpoint. Uh, what I ended up landing on was these um, self-directed IRA accounts with an extra component. Uh, it's called checkbook control. And so what you do is there's actually a second layer there. What you do is you end up opening up a, and so a company can do this for you or the custodian who offers the services can actually do it for you. It's not just up to you, but you end up opening an LLC directly for the IRA. The IRA then invests 100% of the funds into that LLC ends up being really their only direct uh, investment. And then with that LLC, you can open it up, open up a checking account just as you would for any other business. And so, uh, you know, you can invest um, directly with that account. You end up paying much lower fees and it's a very quick and easy, um, very nimble process. Uh, the expenses and income to flow directly through the, uh, the checking account. You never touch it yourself. Um, but it allows you for a lot of power uh, and a lot of um, direct control over your, your own future. So for our listeners who are hearing this and maybe even hearing about it for the first time and, you know, looking for something new for the new year, you know, it, what you just explained sounds somewhat complicated, maybe if we haven't done this stuff before. How hard is it to set this up if you have an investment account already? And do you have to is it all or nothing? Do you have to take all of your existing accounts and transfer it over or can you just take a portion? Um, so it's once you you set it up, it's very simple. Uh, the setup is honestly not that complicated. If you're familiar with paperwork, it's not that bad. There's maybe you know seven, ten pieces of paper that you need to end up signing. Uh, sometimes it's just digital, uh, and so it's not all or nothing. You don't have to move it all. Um, the, the nice thing is a lot of the custodians you can end up choosing. They also offer normal equity brokerage services. So you can open up a standard brokerage account. So you could move it all and then, you know, have a portion still in um, stocks and bonds as you normally would, and then have a portion in alternative if you want, or you can just split it, you know, half and half. It's not a, a big deal, but it, it is more simple if you uh, are transferring from one custodian to the new one in cash, that's able to make, enables you to, to move it a lot quicker, uh, more efficiently and, and it's a lot less complicated. You can get it done um, in about two to three weeks if you're if you stay on top of the paperwork. Um, and it it really uh, the entire process is is it looks daunting from the start, I will say. But once you kind of understand there's not much to it, and once you learn just a few uh, ins and outs, the things you can or can't do with your account, it really simplifies things. I like to liken it um, like it's riding a bike. Uh, you know, once you've learned that, it's really just as simple as operating with cash. You've already got those couple of, of items in your mind of what you're not allowed to do. And once you have those um, you know, in mind, you can just kind of operate as, as freely as you want. Cool. So the third-party custodian, do they charge fees? How much does it cost to set this up? And do they kind of help guide through the process? Yeah. So um, there's kind of a couple different levels. You know, There are some custodians out there who will take care of the whole process for you. Uh, it's all electronic and all digital. And they'll support you in the... In the um, the actual establishment of the account, but then that's kind of it. You're on your own once you, once the account's open. And those are really, really cheap. Uh, you can find people out there who will take care of these things for uh, roughly $350. And then, you know, the annual fees end up being about $150 to $200. It's, uh, it's really low overhead. The nice thing is no matter how large your account ends up growing, you don't actually end up getting charged more. You just kind of pay the, the low, small uh, reoccurring fee. Um, and so, there are, there are other ones out there uh, who I personally use to help uh, kind of build up my knowledge as well. Uh, there are other companies um, that will set it up for you. And then the nice thing is they're actually there to advise you forever. 
And so if you think you're going to be involved in things beyond uh, just, you know, passively investing in one specific activity, because um, one thing we should mention is your retirement account is limited to just passive investments. You can't actively be in control of any investment. And we'll touch on that a bit more. But uh, if you plan on just passively investing in one sector of, of real estate or alternative assets or whatever it is, um, and you kind of, that's your bread and butter, then you can kind of go with the first option. But if you plan on, you know, running the gamut and trying a lot of different things, you might want one of these services that you can go back to and say, hey, is this an allowable transaction? Is this something that I can do? Should I worry about this? Or uh, you just want that advisory hand to help guide you through the process of your next investment. Gotcha. Okay. And you just mentioned some things that you are limited to, but before we get into that, I just kind of want to reset to make sure everybody, all of our listeners out there fully understand what we're talking about. So basically you can set up a self-directed IRA account or 401k account, checkbook IRAs they're called, and you would start an entity more or less. So you would set up an LLC and there's a third party custodian who's kind of a, a handler of the funds. So they would help transfer the funds from your existing accounts into, would you open a, is it a checking account? Do you just open a regular checking account? Exactly. The LLC just holds a normal checking account. Okay. And so the fees for the custodians seem pretty low. What would you say their role is? Is it basically just a matter of that you can't touch the funds or what, what is the, what's their purpose? Like, in other words, why couldn't somebody just set up an LLC and then move their, their investment account into it? Yeah. So, uh, you know, unfortunately the way that the IRA is set up, um, or a 401k, uh, you can't directly control your own retirement accounts. There needs to be a third party involved. So you have to have the, those custodians involved. Um, I try to have them involved as little as possible because they're there really as kind of a regulatory uh, piece that allows you to then facilitate your own transactions. And so if you want full control, if you want to make sure that you're the one um, taking charge and not allowing others to kind of dip into your account, uh, then I, I tend to opt for, for this checkbook account, which keeps the custodian uh, you know, interaction at its minimum. Okay. And so once the money's in, in the LLC, the difference between your regular retirement accounts are now that you can control the asset class that your funds are investing in. Exactly. Okay. And so then that opens up a ton of options and opportunities for people. And I know, I do know that a lot of people use, utilize these for real estate because uh, obviously real estate can, can provide great returns, very secure. And again, an, a good way uh, for diversification of your existing portfolio. So you mentioned a minute ago, though, some things that you're limited to, and you mentioned uh, passive investing versus being an active investor. A lot of times when we think about real estate investing, investing we think we're thinking active investors. So how do we, how does, how does that work? I'll let you, I'll let you explain. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, so, you know, when I say it has to be passive, this is, I kind of mean, uh, you know, if you were going to, let's say, buy a normal, like, let's just start with at the base, a single family home as a rental. Uh, you know, you can do that with a retirement account. Uh, you typically have to buy it in all cash. Um, if you can find, um, you can actually leverage your retirement account, but you can only use non-recourse loans. And on a single family home, it's a little harder to find. Uh, but if you do plan on, let's say, having a single family home, uh, you can buy it in all cash, but you yourself can't go in and uh, respond to tenants. You can't go in and actually work on the property. Um, you can't change you know, light bulbs, work on the toilet. That's actually considered sweat equity. And so you can't 
benefit your retirement account can't benefit from the actions of present day you and then it kind of goes you know, on the flip side so like it's let's say you bought a rental with your retirement account you can't go and stay in it because you could give yourself a favorable rent or you could you know pump more money into your retirement account by giving your retirement account a favorable rent and renting it for ten thousand dollars a month so that's not allowed um you actually cannot actively uh get you know participate in any investment your retirement account makes um and then if you're in control of an, an investment your retirement account can't actually uh, invest with it. So for example, in my world, in multifamily, uh, if I'm in charge of a property, I actually can't invest in that property with my own retirement account because I, my retirement account will benefit from you know, my actions of, of working on that property. Uh, and so you need to kind of think of those retirement accounts like they're completely separate, separate people. Um, the Any kind of income or expenses that come in or out of the account have to be directly from the account. You yourself can't collect depreciation, income, expense, or pay for expenses or anything like that. Uh, so it needs to stay purely passive, which is one of the reasons I went for multifamily because, uh, you know, syndications allow for a pure passive environment where you're collecting, uh, you know, rent and you're collecting, uh, you know, the capital gains at the end and things like that. And it, it keeps things pretty simple and uh, somebody else is in charge of your investment as a result. Got it. Okay. And so we're going to talk about syndication here in just a minute. So if somebody wanted to set up a self-directed investment account, they could purchase a rental home, mm -hmm. but they can't manage that home. They have to hire a property manager to manage the property and the tenants. All of the income that comes in from the rent has to go directly into the account that you set up um, in the LLC. All of the expenses associated with owning that property, including the property management, all have to come out of that same account. But for all of our listeners, as you, many of you know, the, the returns from owning a rental property are, are, can be very excellent. So this, although it's all staying in this account, you can't touch it. It's building in theory over time and growing over time. And then once you're able to do, you know, once you're able to have access to it, you can do what you want with it. So that sounds great. What, why would somebody want to do this? Like, what are the, what are some of the advantages or benefits of doing this as opposed to just leaving it in your regular 401k and forgetting about it? Yeah. I mean, for me, it came down really to, to two main areas. Um, it was direct control over my investments. Um, you know, I, I'm, I used to, for 15, 20 years, I would invest in the stock market pretty heavily. And I, I, I still have a lot of my portfolio in the stock market, but um, you know, enough that, it, you know, it, I didn't have direct, direct control over the performance. You know, if, um, if, if any kind of volatility was occurring, if, if there was a scandal with a CEO or something, you never really knew where your, your portfolio was headed. And so I wanted to kind of have a, a more direct line on the ultimate, um, the, the, the results of, of my account in the future. So I put it into retirement or into real estate as a result of that, because I wanted to kind of whether I, you know, I know I still can't control it, but I can at least choose the partners I'm going to do business with. And I know them fairly well now. Um, and then the other side of it was, I really want to make sure that my account value doesn't just, you know, crater. It's there for, for me when I need it. You know, I don't necessarily need it just yet, but um, I did a little study over uh, the last 30 years and multifamily itself has actually been 58% less volatile than the S&P 500. And it's grown at a consistent nine to 10% annual uh, rate um, since then. And so the, you know, it's not going to have these gigantic big years uh, like we're seeing with the stock market this year, but it's also not going to have huge, uh, you know, 
valleys uh, where you're seeing a lot of your account value plummet. And if you're in a situation where you need to tap into that, whether you need it for an emergency fund or it just happens to be when you're retired and you actually need to start leaning on this account that you've been building up, no one really wants to tap into those accounts when the chips are down. And so I wanted to move it into something that was more stable. And I knew that value was always going to be there growing for me while I slept. And it really wasn't going to just dip dramatically. It was going to consistently chug along very strongly and, you know, provide a lot of cash flow day in, day out. Yeah, well said. And that's the thing, like, you know, we think about stocks and you can, you can get into the market and you can do it in a way that's less risky, uh, but there's always going to be volatility in, in any market. There's always risk in any investment as well. I, I want to point that out too. But, you know, I always like to think of any investment that's uh, more liquid usually comes with more risk. If it's less li- liquid, it's a little bit more stabilized. The markets, yeah. you can get in and out of a stock in, in a, in the, at the speed of light nowadays. You know, real estate tends to trend a little bit more slowly. So, and, and as we all know, over time, it's generally in an upward direction. So like you said, you move, and again, it's about diversification. It's about, you know, risk tolerance, all that stuff, but being, being able to allocate some funds and, and move it into real estate, you know, you're not only getting the benefit of maybe more stability and less risk, but the returns can be great. You, you just explained why, why people would maybe want to do self-directed, right? Why would they want to do self-directed and then park the money with a multifamily syndication? Yeah. So um, the nice thing that I'm finding with a lot of my investors is, um, you know, when you when you have investors investing in multifamily, a lot of the times they're worried about that liquidity aspect. And they're saying, hey, I don't want my uh, my money necessarily locked up for like a five or six year uh, you know, lifespan. And so I'm actually not finding that with my investors because I bring them in on a retirement horizon. And most of us aren't touching our retirement accounts for the next 10, 20 years. And so they don't necessarily mind a longer um, hold period. So that's been really nice. Uh, It kind of resonates on a nice level like that. And the other factor is, as I mentioned before, you can actually leverage your retirement account. Um, You can apply leverage to it. Now in a self-directed IRA, that'll actually present some taxes but it can, it has the potential still for those leverage results. Um, the leverage can only be non-recourse because your retirement account is not a person. It cannot necessarily uh, pledge any collateral or anything like that and back the security. So uh, it needs to be non-recourse. Commercial real estate tends to operate in the non-recourse debt um, world. And so that was a nice uh, kind of pairing there as well. The stability is nice. The persistent cash flow is great. Uh, from, from my perspective of what I believe I want my retirement account to tap into. Uh, and so I moved it into there because that's where I was educating myself. I was meeting people in that uh, line of business. And so I wanted to place my money with them, uh, because I was able to trust them as opposed to somebody, uh, who I'm not able to, you know, fully meet in person. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Real quick. I don't want to get off topic, but just to that point about non-recourse debt, non-recourse lending, if anybody out there is learning or getting into multifamily, uh, what Josh is talking about is once you get to a certain uh, loan amount, there's agency debt, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, typically will, they'll lend for commercial real estate. And like you said, multifamily suits sets up perfectly for it, but they'll lend basically on the, on the and asset itself. So the qualifications and the criteria of what they're lending on is whatever building you're buying. And if it meets their criteria, doesn't have so much to do with the person who's borrowing the money other than their ability to manage the asset, they're really lending the money on the property itself. So if there's a default, 
they don't come after the person they just go and pick the, the property back up. That's why they have so much, so many criteria that need to be met. They want to make sure that the, the asset is performing and there's very little risk that it will fail. And if it does fail, that they're able to take it and collect their money. That's, that's like one of the reasons I actually jumped into multifamilies because when I first was like, I might want to flip houses or I want to own rental properties, just single family homes. I realized that the value of your you know, property is actually a direct result of the comps in your neighborhood, what other people sold things for. Uh, and if you had, you know, a nearby house that didn't do that well, or sat on the market, or you had, you know, a very unruly seller who didn't want to, you know, work with the buyer, uh, it can really create the, you know, the value of your own home. And so with multifamily, you mentioned it, you're, you're really buying a business. It happens to operate property. Uh, it holds property, but the business is what you're investing in. And you have, you know, your partners, you all, all the owners together have direct control over the overall value. You can force the appreciation by bringing value and taking a property that's really been neglected and is not a nice place to live for a lot of the tenants and turn it into something that they themselves want to stay in and, uh, you know, continue to pay rent down the line and you can potentially increase rents as you go along. Um, so having that control is, is really important to me. Yeah. And this is what I was talking about earlier. We could go on now and have a whole nother show about multifamily because yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm really into that as well. And you know what, what you just said, what Josh was talking about, like you could buy a single family rental and it's comped based on the market, you know, the other houses that are similar selling in that market, I mean, you know, multifamily works totally different. It's value is based on its financial performance and it's net operating income and the ratio between it and the purchase price, we, it's called a cap rate. The, the comparables are based on what other properties cap rate are and what they're selling at. That's how you arrive at the value of the property. And, you know, like you said, you can get in there and by improving those financials, you're in turn improving the value or raising the value. That's that forced appreciation. And, you know, the fact that, like you just said, it sets up perfectly with the non-recourse loan, non-recourse, actually anybody can qualify for them. If there's specific you know, like I said, specific criteria that needs to be met for the asset and for the people that are borrowing. But if you, you know, there's some net worth requirements some liquidity requirements, but you're not limited to just you or two people. You can ha set up a group of, of partners. And if collectively you, you meet the criteria, you can, they will give you the loan. If you guys meet the criteria and you find the investment, the asset that meets the criteria, the money's there. And we talk about, you know, the, the power of leverage. I mean, the, the loan only started a million dollars. So you, you, like you said earlier about multifamily, you pull all these resources together. It allows you to scale much, much quicker. So now let's tie it all together. We've, we've got the, the self-directed account investment accounts. We've got multifamily and we've got you. How, how do you work with all of this? How, are, how could our listeners, you know, benefit from what it is that you do? Yeah. So what, what we end up doing um, after I kind of took all this information is we go out and we hunt for properties. We look for properties across the Southeast. Um, as I mentioned, there's somewhere between maybe 90 and 250 units. Uh, and so we look for things that are built in the seventies and eighties and we try to take them maybe something that hasn't been, you know, we're, our group is recently buying something that, uh, you know, hasn't actually been touched since it was bought. They have, um, they've got a security deposit that's 99 cents uh, and people have been living there for quite a while and there's no updates have been brought to that property. Uh, and so it's pretty run down at this point. And that's really what we were looking for is an opportunity to park our capital and work as a team, as a team of investors um, to, to, you know, come together buy a property that's larger than we could have bought just ourselves. And then, you know, experts like myself and my partners, we're going to come in and 
appreciate that that uh, that property by bringing in amenities, improving the kitchen, improving the the efficiency of the property because it's as Travis mentioned, it's based off of the NOI. So it's not just the income you can bring in. So it's nice to bump rents up, but it's also really nice if you're finding uh, you know leaks around the property and you're finding places that you can save money, and so. We're trying to bring our retirement accounts into a, a long-term investment that is going to um, de-risk our portfolio. It's going to diversify something and allow us to not worry um, about you know any kind of prohibited transactions uh, where you're, you yourself are touching the money uh, because somebody else is working on it. Then it's you know you get to sleep easy at night, and that's that's my the biggest benefit I've received. Honestly, I'm an insomniac. And so as I've moved into real estate, it's actually allowed me to sleep a lot better because I just have a lot less things flying through my mind at night uh, when it comes to how my portfolio is doing. Yeah, that's awesome. And then we now we'll land on syndication. So correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what's what you're doing, what's taking place is you guys, you have your, your team, your partnership in place with your, your partners and you guys find the investment opportunity, you find the asset and you set up the syndication. So now other people who want to invest passively with you guys on the limited partner side of the deal, as opposed to the general partner side of the deal, they can use your limited partners or your investors can use their reti- their self-directed retirement accounts. And to, in return, they're getting equity in the asset and the proceeds that come out of that investment you know, we'll, we'll take its shape in the form of distributions. And however, the equity split, they're distributed to the limited partners and those funds go back into the self-directed uh, retirement account. Does that sound right? That is exactly it. Yeah. Awesome. I, that's really cool the way you guys are pulling all, pulling all this stuff together. You know, I've, I've heard a lot about self-directed accounts and how people, you know, buy real estate with them. It's typically a rental home or duplex, you know, and then obviously we talk a lot about on the show, multifamily investing and syndicating. Um, but the fact that you're, you're kind of tying those two together, uh, that's, 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 that's wild. I like it. I like it. So, um, when you're not doing all this stuff, what is it that you do for fun? You gotta, you gotta find time to, uh, you know, to not think about real estate, right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I just moved, I moved from Denver, Colorado. My fun used to be skiing. Um, and so now I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. So I'll probably end up switching to golf. Okay. <laughs> well, you got you can't give up on skiing just yet. I mean, no, of course not. I'm 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 on the East Coast, just just outside of DC. I'm staring out the window at a driving rain, wishing it was snow. I, I yeah, I snowboard, but there is there is some snow in the forecast. I think they're saying you know eight to eight to ten inches uh, coming this week. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. we don't have very big mountains to ski down, but. Uh, no. That's why I typically take a couple of trips out, you know, out West each when I'm actually wearing my Sun Valley, Idaho t-shirt nice. under, underneath the, my, my sweatshirt here. So do you have any ski trips planned for the winter? I don't know. I have a, my, my newborn daughter. Ah, that's right. So that's I'm right. a little preoccupied. Yeah. Skiing got <laughs> bumped down on the list of priorities. It, didn't it? Did. it did. No more <laughs> me time. Yeah. Right. Awesome. Okay. Well now it's time for our segment advice from our invest guest. We're going to ask you three quick questions. Um, if you could give three simple answers to our listeners to help, you know, those out there that may not have started investing yet, get on their way. Number one, what is one recommendation you can give people right now that haven't started investing in real estate yet, um, that they can do to get started? Uh, I'm going to suggest what I ended up doing. Educate yourself as much as possible. Uh, there's a lot of questions you don't know to ask currently. Uh, and that's where I stood and that's still where I stand. You know, you're always trying to learn. And so the more that you can learn, the more that you know that you didn't previously, 
um, you know, that's, that's really important. It's going to help you understand which direction you want to go and you can drill down into that specific area uh, and then focus on that one thing that really enables you to, to build for your future. Great answer. Absolutely. I'm hundred percent with you on that one. Okay. Number two, what would you do differently now that you've gone this far in your investing journey that you would, what would you do differently if you were to go back and do it again? Maybe some advice that people could take and use to avoid making some mistakes. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say I, I've always had an entrepreneurial drive. I knew I wanted to get in business for myself. Um, and it kind of comes down to evaluating yourself as an entrepreneur in my perspective. Um, I wasn't perfectly aligned as an entrepreneur. I need, you know, for the last 10, 15 years, I had basically been in the corporate world where someone was giving me tasks and telling me what to do. And so really understanding what's your, um, where you lack and where you can grow and then finding a way to just self-improve, constantly improve yourself uh, to build up your own business or your own uh, investment strategies is really important to uh, to really uh, improving that. Just improving yourself overall is, is good. Yeah, no, that's great advice, not just for real estate. That's just, that's good advice yeah. for life in general. I mean, uh, perspective, self-awareness, those are all critical yeah. to um, improving yourselves, ourselves and and uh, accomplishing our goals. Okay, number three, do you have a book recommendation? I mean, we talked about multifamily syndication and self-directed investment accounts. I don't know that there's a book out there that would tie all those together, but do you have any any book rec- book recommendations out there? Maybe, maybe you should write one, actually. That, that book is, I will have to write someday. <laughs> that would um, be a good book. It'll be good, it'll be boring, but you know, it's important. <laughs> um, if you're interested, I would say in multifamily, Uh, If you kind of want something from just the operational side, how that all works, how you're able to drive value into multifamily properties, don't worry about the funding side of things. That book is called Multifamily Millions by Dave Lindahl. Uh, It really is the the kind of Bible in terms of, you know, just just how the deals are structured, uh, how the, you know, how an apartment complex gets run and how you yourself can come in and improve it and change it for the better. Awesome. Awesome. Great answers, Josh. Thanks. So now... How can people out there who've been listening to this learn more about you, connect with you, find out what you're doing, potentially work with you? Is there um, a place we can point our listeners to? Yeah, uh, my website is walltomain.com. And over there, I've got you know instructional videos and content and blog content that really helps you with uh, both passively investing, but also learning what you can and can't do with your retirement accounts. I have some videos in there. Uh, totaling about 30 minutes where you can learn the A to Z's of, and to get yourself started. Uh, and then I've also got a free PDF, the top 10 tips and tricks when investing in multifamily with your retirement account. And I kind of have all those little things that you need to look out for and ways that you can kind of get around them and really maximize the accounts you currently hold. Awesome. Awesome. So anybody out there listening who's well, interested in learning more about this stuff, go. Uh, we talked about educating yourself as step one. So go check out walltomain.com. Looks like Josh has a lot, a lot of resources there on these topics. So Josh, I, uh, I appreciate you joining me and I'll, I'll include all those um, links in the show notes as well for our listeners out there. So uh, if you have interest just scroll down and you can find what you're looking for, but Josh, I want to thank you for joining us on the show. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. This has been, it's a cool, this is a couple of cool topics that I enjoy. Yeah. So the fact that, you know, you, you bring them all together is that's uh, it's, it's very cool. So thanks for joining us. Um, I really appreciate it. Hope, hope you and your family having a good new year and uh, congratulations on the new addition to your family. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh.
that was a lot of fun. Really enjoyed having Josh on the show. And I also want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in again this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review and rating. Uh, I do appreciate you guys tuning in every week. I see the numbers growing, so it's making a difference, and I do appreciate it. Uh, also, check us out on, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. And you can follow, follow us there as well. And uh, of course, check out theinvestnest.com. I'm your host, Travis Murphy, and you've been listening to another episode of the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for joining us on the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join theinvestnest.com and start learning and earning today.